Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dosh, Rinko Lieber. revamped and revitalized version of wrong and wronger and i can tell everyone is waiting with breath that is baited i don't know what that all means james but i am giddy to be here with myself and a little less excited about you being a part of it but how are you doing today I'm doing great. I think people were worried the insults would stop if we didn't have something to fight about. But what we have to fight about <laughs> is just our mere existence. The fighting will never stop. The animosity, it's natural. There's no theres no contrivance here. We legitimately don't like each other, and it makes for a great <laughs> podcast. We were fighting before we were recording, which made us fight over not recording the good fight. It was a weird meta. Oh, burn so many good insults. I'll have to find a way to work them back in. Otherwise, they'll be lost to the historical record forever, and that would be a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, well, those could be the last quippy things that we say ever. You never know when your last good joke is going to slip out, right? <laughs> exactly. And uh, I actually uh, knocked the phone to the floor, so I missed most of what you said, but I got the very sure. tail end of it. That was just, that was amazing timing. I am I am on the ball today. Even when I screw <laughs> up, I managed to stick the landing. So I've got a great feeling about this episode. What are we talking about today? Well, it's interesting. You came up with a good topic, and we'll cover it next week. We'll just kind of dangle that vagity out there. <laughs> but something happened to me this week that has only happened one time in my life, except this time it went horribly wrong, and it's your fault. Ooh. I do appreciate that. I, I, I enjoy things that are my fault when they disadvantage you, so please fill me in. <laughs> okay. this you. I think you talked about... I can't remember if we were recording or just talking one day, but you were recognized in public once, right? One time. <laughs> one time ever. Okay. Up until two days ago, uh, well, maybe three days ago. But anyway, it only happened to me one time also. And it's funny because the time it happened to me was immediately when I became a public figure and it never happened again. But uh, the quick story on that one, and I'll tell you what happened three days ago was, and I want to hear yours again, too. I don't remember the, I think it was in like a bookstore, a library or something, but library, like you and I would ever be in a library. But that uh, when I started writing for the newspaper in Nashville, my picture was over the column. And literally, after the first column came out, a woman on the shuttle bus from the long-term parking to the terminal at the airport recognized me from my picture. And I thought, James, I figured I was going to be on easy street for the rest of my life. Like there would be adoration and fans and I'd have to wear a crash helmet from the avalanche of like hot chicks that would be throwing themselves at me. <laughs> and then I met unicorn and it was going to go up a notch and it never happened again. But so I walk in my neighborhood most nights. So a lot of people in the neighborhood don't know me per se, but they recognize me because I waved everybody. So anyway, this you and I, our podcast has been heard by literally one one millionth of one percent of the population in the United <laughs> States. So the fact that everything had to come together for this to go horribly wrong is amazing in and of itself. But I was walking in my neighborhood. I have one wrong and wronger t-shirt. And it's uh, it's yellow, so it's very visible. And it has a giant our, uh, chess piece logo on the front. 
So I was walking in my neighborhood and a, one of the women in the neighborhood kind of pulled over and said, hey, I used to watch, or I, I think she said, listen, I was overwhelmed. I didn't catch everything she said, but she's like, I used to listen to that pot, to that show. Are you one of those guys? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And she said, are you the exploding unicorn? And I said, no, I'm the other one. And she went, there was a long pause and she said, oh, and then she kind of waved and drove on. <laughs> I don't know if I'm tickled or patently offended by what just happened, but it left me thinking, I got to tell this to Breakwell on the air. I, I love so many things about that encounter. The first part that I really, really like is she didn't say, I listened to that podcast. It was, I used to listen to that podcast. Yes, yes, Definitely yes. past tense. So that's, that's the starting point. Then she didn't know what I look like. So every joke I ever write has a tiny little picture of me attached. And I know it's not very big. And sometimes I've, you know, get screen caps of screen caps of screen caps shared across the internet. The quality goes down. But even in the smallest, blurriest of those pictures, you would not mistake me for you. There are a few <laughs> subtle differences between us. So she clearly like had just like the we like the most tangential relation to it. So she must not have really followed me on Twitter. She must have just been following the podcast, which is weird, and not watching it either, but just listening, which is just a such a specific subset of a subset of a subset of an audience. And then we already lost her, but she still remembered it fondly enough to call you out. And then she asked if, I mean, I guess I should be insulted that she thought you were me, but man, I am, I'm more enlightened that you were insulted. That's, that, that, just, that brightens my day. It fills me with joy. It fills me with knowledge of what the world is possible. That's, that's where the enlightenment is coming from. It's, this just opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Oddly enough, the one time I was recognized in public, which was also from this podcast, which again, of all the things I do, all the content I put out, all the books, all the, you know, the newsletter, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything else, the absolute smallest audience I have is for this podcast. And the smallest part of the smallest audience is the part that watches this podcast on YouTube. And somebody who watches this on YouTube saw me and my family when we were out at the Children's Museum in Indianapolis. And, uh, and she came up and she said, are you James Breakwell? Or maybe she said, are you the Exploding Unicorn? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, I, I watched your podcast. And I said, oh. And like, I had no idea what to say. I had been anonymous in public <laughs> for so long that I just kind of assumed I was invisible. I mean, just, just as an aside to this story. So, you know, I write under a pen name, but I use my real picture. And I did this yeah. from 2012 till probably... 2018 or 19 and like by the end of that like i was i mean i not you know steve reminds me all the time that i'm not a, a real celebrity he likes to tear me down so much but my my content had stretched fairly far i mean it was hard to go in a corner of the internet where i wouldn't pop up at least occasionally and like by this point i was flying across the country and doing ads i had two or three books out and um, none of my coworkers in my day job had any idea I did any of this. <laughs> Not a one of them. I sat directly beside them 40 hours a week, sometimes on my phone writing these jokes 
writing these books. They had no idea until finally one day the oldest guy in there who happened, you know, of course it'd be the oldest guy, happened to get the, uh, the Indianapolis Star the day they ran a half-page picture of me and my family with the... Uh, Wow. That zombie picture. Actually, it must have been... I must have only had one book out at the time because it was promoting Only Dead on the inside. But it was a yeah. cool Photoshop picture where we have all these deadly weapons and stuff. And we look pretty cool. And then finally, with that half-page picture, he found it and he told everybody about it. But had he not bought the paper that one day, they still wouldn't know. <laughs> That's what it's like to be internet famous. Just be, And I just look so generic and my picture is so small. Nobody ever clicks on it. They really don't know what I look like. And so, yeah, so when this person finally came up to me and said it, like, I should have been gushing, I should have thanked her, I should have offered a <laughs> selfie, I should have given her the red carpet treatment for, for validating everything I had ever done on the internet. And instead, it was just awkward. I was just so stunned that it had finally happened that I had no idea how to react. And she just kind of walked away. And I'm pretty sure that was the day she decided to never watch our podcast again. Like, you know how everyone has the celebrity story. It's like, in real life, they're a monster or they're a jerk. They're yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. like on camera. Yeah. And it's like, she looked at me and she's like, oh, he's just... He, he just has no social skills. He just, he just goes, it's a train wreck of a human being. He's not mean. He's not nice. He's just nothing. He can't string together a sentence. So uh, I think about that encounter way too often. It's like we have, it's such a small audience, and I, and I lost that person. I'm pretty sure I lost him forever. But the good news with your encounter, we'd already lost him. So there was, there was nothing, there was nowhere to go. So I, I do appreciate that you had uh, lower stakes than I did. She had zero interest in talking to the guy who wasn't the exploding unicorn. <laughs> I knew that. She made that abundantly clear. Really, if this happens again, Steve, and that yeah. one in a billion chance that this happens again, somebody in your own neighborhood uh, brings yes. up that shirt, I want you to say you're me and just roll with it. <laughs> See how far you can get that conversation. Like, yeah, sure, I have a four-year-old. Sure, I live in the middle of Indiana. I'm just, I mean, this person clearly didn't know anything about me, so I bet you you could have pulled it off. Just just roll with it. You have my permission to lie, and I want a full field report when you get back. Then we have the whole awkward discussion of, boy, you really let yourself go, didn't you? Like, but it, uh, I, I don't want to deal with that, James. Again, I don't, she clearly didn't know what I look like. And in my picture, the, the picture from like 2016, uh, I'm about 20 or 30 pounds heavier than I am now. So you're closer to looking like me uh, than you think. You just got to add that, you just got to age me a little bit. Maybe I'd be there. Age me, shrink me, ugly me a little bit up and boom, I'm there. It's just, they give you the zombie treatment. That's all it takes. But you yeah, actually, you know, that was really an opportunity lost for me because I could have said, yes, I am James Breakwell, and then launched into an obscenity-laced tirade and uh, <laughs> have her walk away with that encounter. Although this really brings up an interesting topic, and it's one that I've mulled over over the years. We've taken two different approaches. The whole thing to putting your real identity on the internet. And yeah. how that comes, you've got like a real practice. You've got, you go out to places with the name you use on the internet. You tweet yeah. under your real name. You, and yes. you've suffered no consequences. There are people who have had their lives ruined by that. And you're out there <laughs> writing jokes of all things. The most dangerous thing you can possibly do on the internet in 2020. And not only have you not been canceled, not only have you had zero repercussions, but it seems to actually be helping you professionally. How, how is that happening? <coughs> well... I believe in the basic goodness of all people. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, Scratch I was too stupid to do it any other way at first. Like, I didn't have, 
any concept of anonymity. It was, I, I remember when I hit 42 followers on Twitter, it was like, dude, I, same as when that woman recognized me on the tram <laughs> in Nashville. And I hovered at 42 forever. And then uh, I started writing jokes as if I was famous. And lo and behold, it sort of, it pushed way up in, in one big burst. But I don't know. I don't, uh, my wife is sort of like you. Like, she doesn't want me using her first name on the internet. Like, she doesn't like pictures out there. She would rather live life in the shadows. And I'm like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I don't do anything particularly inflammatory. I tell people you should work for a living and be nice to the people around you. And I don't know how you can argue with either of those points. Okay, you can definitely argue with both of those points. And I'm sure somebody will be outraged that you're saying to be nice <laughs> to other people. I, I have seen that explode on the internet in different contexts. It, it absolutely can happen. But I think the greatest thing that you have going for you is you're just not worth kidnapping and murdering. You're not pretty or attractive <laughs> enough. You're not famous enough. It's just like, who's gonna go through the trouble? Why go through the risk? And plus, I think they can tell if they read any of your tweets that you're already dead inside. And so it's kind of covered. Like there's nothing else they can do to hurt you. Uh, I started under a pen name specifically, so I, I never want, I, do, I figured it was better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So for that day job, I was like, I don't want them to veto me like on day one when I'm making negative money on the internet. So they say it's your job or this thing that's wasting all your time and giving you no income. I mean, that's a no brainer. I wanted it to be where sure. if they ever discovered it and gave it a choice, there was at least a fair shot for which way it could go. And uh, at this point, now that they do know, I, it turns out nobody really cared. I just don't, I don't mix the two worlds. I don't say where I work. I don't talk about this at work. I just, I never bring it up and, uh, and it's worked out okay. I really feel like two different people. Uh, and it's, it, one person's a lot more interesting than the other. It's funny, one day one of my coworkers was like, I never would have known you write jokes, you just never talk. And it just never occurred to me. I just, I guess Are I just don't, me? I don't interact with my coworkers. I just, all of my energy <laughs> just goes into books. All of these words I pour out go to people who aren't them. And apparently in real life to the people who sat next to me for like over a decade, I'm just like a blank slate. I, mean, I just didn't bother to as communicate with them. As far as they them. know, your name is James Breakwell. And you know what, though? I mean, for people who have been out there in a cubicle farm before, in an office setting, in a white-collar environment, I mean, it's really easy to to know people that superficially. It, it really is. Wow. Like, you realize just how little you know about your coworkers. Like, I'm sure a lot of people went this through this when they work from home. Almost like, oh, boy, I'm going to miss my coworkers. Three months later, what were their names again? Like, you really, your, your acquaintanceship <laughs> is very context- uh, and location specific. And if you remove that context and you remove that location, uh, the whole kind of quasi friendship just falls away. Uh, it wow. has been, it is a headache though sometimes, like, uh, because again, it's not like I'm a secret agent. I mean, hundreds of people know my real name. And if you knew it, it's like it's not like, oh, that's who you really are. It's not like I'm somebody famous <laughs> hiding behind a fake name. I'm just a completely ordinary guy with an ordinary name that's so common you really can't even Google it because it'd be like that's buried true. 50 pages <laughs> pages deep, which is kind of awesome. It's my extra security measure. But where it comes, it, where, where it's a pain, so you don't want people to be able to look up your home address. I don't want people to be able to figure out where my kids go to school. Those would be two very right. bad things. But like when it comes to like business stuff, I, I incorporated through an LLC and it's supposed to take care of some of that stuff but like uh, for like hotel bookings and stuff like that sometimes people will book me names under James Breakwell who doesn't actually legally exist and that causes <laughs> oh, all no! kinds I ran into that at the dad 2.0 conference it's like I was gonna go I mean basically any 
Anything I do that's worthwhile, I answer to James, I go by James, I introduce myself as James as a speaker. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I am James, but that's not what it says on my driver's license. And trying to get checked into this hotel that was registered under James was the hardest thing in the world. And I, I, I went back and forth with the, the, this clerk at this convention, and finally they're like, well, when is Mr. Breakwell going to show up? And it's like, I clearly have not made this, made my point on this. Uh, it's like, I'm sure I'll be here later. Just let me in the room. So there, I, get in, I, I, I think today, I think the, the traditional advice uh, people are giving to authors is don't use a pen name because people will figure out who you are anyway. I, I don't know. I think if I did it all over again, I think I'd probably still use a pen name because I just needed that. Like at this point in my career, it doesn't really matter as much. I, but like at the at the start when I was on a thinner ice, I think I think it kind of gave me the latitude I needed to mess up on the internet. And had this whole internet thing imploded, it's really nice to have just a little bit of separation between that and me, just so it doesn't completely ruin my life. It just only only ruins the fun part of it. That and that's where I wanted to stay. Well, you were a pen name in college when you had nothing at stake, weren't like you you didn't you used to be a different pen name beside James Breakwell, I think, weren't you? I had I had a like a temporary pen name that was after college, uh, briefly, mm. uh, before I came up with, and then I was under my real name and then I came up with another fake, I, what I came up with my fake name actually was when I had, uh, something for Reader's Digest. They started coming after me for my, some of my old blog posts, but in college I wrote under my real name. Um, mm. and, uh, back then again, there were no consequences to things. I, you just, the, the standards were so low. I wrote things, they were reviewed by an advisor, and you could just kind of say anything. And it's like, oh, that's just him going off again. It's kind of like the, the <laughs> South Park exemption. Like, for everybody who gets in trouble for saying stuff on the internet, like, South Park doesn't really get in trouble because they got in trouble in, like, 1995. And that controversy blew up, and they just kept going like, oh, that's just what they do. They say weird stuff. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, you know, for a while there, I wrote stuff. And it was... You know, it was obviously, obviously satire. Things that like, so there was one article like, why women are the cause of everything that's wrong with the world. It was a good article. It was, it was just over the top ridiculous. Obviously yeah. the point of the article was not really that women were the cause of anything that's wrong with the world. It was more I making mean, fun of men than true, anything. but that's not what you were but, saying. Right. But you, you could not write that article today under any circumstances, <laughs> under any name, because people don't read the article and say, oh, obviously this is a joke. They read the headline and then they burn down your house, which again is another great <laughs> reason for a pen name so they, they commit arson somewhere else just that little bit of a buffer i don't know have you ever been tempted to uh to switch things up and go with an alias for yourself when i uh when i was in high school and wanted to be famous i did think for a period what would my fake name be and uh i think i was going to go by my first and middle name at the time so like uh, vince neal from motley Crue. that's his first and middle name in real life and I thought, ah. well, that wouldn't be bad. I have a middle name that could serve as a back name or as a last name. And uh, do any of your any of your professional contacts ever bring up your Twitter account or podcast? No, oh, I don't have professional contacts ah, outside of. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a real job, James. You and I have talked about that. I'm 53. I've never had a real job, so I've not had colleagues. I don't even know what that means. Anyway, what was I going to say before? Oh, the thing with your real name, which is interesting to me, you didn't even tell me your real name ever. I found it out by accident when we were hanging out one day. So 
Uh, I, like I, I, I'm still a little upset that you know. Like you switch back and forth between the two when you hang up a call. It's just like just don't use the other name. You're gonna slip up. Like honestly, at this point, if I could get rid of my real name, it, it I would. I mean, no, nobody who's worthwhile knows only that name. It's like I just just get rid of it. Strike what? it from the record. I know them both. Wait a minute. Yeah, there you go. Case in point. Oh. <laughs> well, you told me your first, your real first name, like the first time we ever talked for real. But your last name, you never told me until I found out and then I told you. And you were like, yeah, I don't really go by that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that person is dead to me. Don't even bring it up. Well, and then you get weird situations too where you're like writing. So I'm going with my publisher and, uh, you know, everything's under James. And they're like, well, do you want us to call you the other name? It's like, I'm not going to make you remember two names. So, like, I right. go back and forth with people all day and they just, everybody just calls me James. And I honestly, if you were to go through the number of people I talk to under James versus the number of people I talk to under my real name, like, I, my, most of my contacts are under James at this point. And, you know, my kids call me dad. My wife doesn't call me by my first name that much. So, really, I just don't even hear my first name that much. And when I do hear it, it's kind of jarring, which is why I'm always real quick to hang up the phone with you when you call me by at the end. <laughs> oh, actually, yes, your real name is on your caller ID because that came up on my phone once. I'm like, the hell is this? <laughs> so that little extra, extra layer of confusion. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the point where we get recognized more than that or not. You know, internet fame is such a, like you don't really, I think it has to do with where you see people. Like one time, uh, my parents had uh, their best friends from northeastern Iowa showed up at their house in Illinois, and they, uh, but it was like a ten-hour drive or an eight-hour drive, something like that. And they just uh, they showed up and they they didn't recognize them because when you see somebody that out of context, all of a sudden who shouldn't yes. be there, it takes your brain a second to like, wait yes. a minute, who are you? Why are you here? Uh, and I wonder if we don't go through some of that already. I mean, re realistically, like, I haven't clicked on your profile picture ever. And had I not seen you in person, I don't know if I'd have more than a vague idea of what you look like. So if I were to see you walking down the street, I might uh, I might not recognize you either. And I think it also comes down to we're just not as unique looking as we think we are. Because it was, was one of the reasons I felt comfortable using my real picture or I show real pictures of my kids. It's like, you really think you're going to sort those out of a crowd? Like, when I pick them up from daycare, right. like, I have a hard time getting the right kids. And there's, you know, two dozen. <laughs> other little brown-haired girls of the same height and weight you know running around it's uh we're all we're, we're not as unique and special as we like to think we are which sounds horrible but you know what it's an extra layer of safety and comfort and i'll take it you know people I, i'm in my studio here and i have pictures there's probably 50 pictures of celebrities like real celebrities james mm -hmm. that i've had oh, on real ones okay yeah <laughs> and uh, people have asked why don't you have breakwell up there like they, they'll sort of go through <laughs> picture by picture and expand so they can see them all and I'm like, two things. One, he's not a celebrity. And two, I don't need to put my stuff <laughs> through that level of pain, seeing him on my wall every day. We should just have a have a counter on the screen for how many times you can fit in Breakwell is not a celebrity in a single episode. I haven't said that in two years. You just brought it up, you goof. God dang. My real claim to fame is from that, that Reader's Digest article. The first one that, you know, kind of gave me nationwide exposure it was an article about how my, my grandma made me jello. And uh, I said it was good, and she took that to mean it was my favorite food in the world. So every time I went back, she made more jello. I had to eat it all, and she took that to mean I had to eat even more jello. It was just this whole thing. And they sent a photographer and, and his assistant down from New York, and they spent three hours taking pictures of me eating jello. And like, you know, look quizzically at the jello, look angry at the jello. Like, I didn't know you could have so many emotions towards jello. It was a pretty intense day. But anyway, out of that, 
Um, it came out in Reader's Digest, and to this day, the bakery that made that Jello, because mind you, they didn't trust me to make the Jello. The bakery that made that Jello has my picture hanging up wow. in the lobby. Uh, but it's not like this is the famous James Breakwell. It's like Jello supplied by Titus. They're very proud of the Jello, and you want to know what? That Jello was photoshopped. I know for a fact the one they made was much smaller, and it was artificially enhanced oh. after the fact. So I feel like that's false advertising. That's that's the the next scandal that's going to erupt here. You know, Jello Photoshop. It's it's just right. You know, you were photoshopped too. You had a button photoshopped in. I did that myself, and does it really count as a Photoshop if it's MS Paint? I mean, come on now. But yeah, so I went in for that for my uh, terrible uh, biography pics that are up everywhere on the internet right now. So I tried to I put on the same shirt that the professional photographer used, and I tried to do the same arching eyebrow thing. But it was just me and this other dude. He's a friend of mine. He took the pictures, and neither of us, you know, know anything about fashion or dignity or standards. And I had a button, like my third button was unbuttoned for all. 200 pictures just right there hanging open and it wasn't even like you know it was like if it would have been like an extra button on the top that's one thing it could look fashionable but it was a button right in the middle so i just went through and copied and pasted a section uh to add that button so yes my picture is artificially enhanced i i made it look like i know how to button a shirt uh, that is a lie i continue to live by and fortunately there's such a small audience for this podcast i think that lie will live on i don't think anybody's going to expose me over that one well, one of our old listeners lives in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you should go. And I've got to bring this her. full circle because James, I have to have lunch with somebody who's way more famous than you. And That's so true. <laughs> I, I, I only have so much room in my life for celebrities, and you're the one that gets knocked off the bed when a new one comes in. Now it's creepy. Sorry. I'm about a little that. disappointed. I was on the bed in the first place. So please, just get us out of here. <laughs> Well, this has been the first week of the re the first real week of the new and revamped Wrong and Wronger, where James talks and people comment in our section under the YouTube video. Why doesn't Steve ever talk? There's really no room. James I gave you so sure. many openings, so many openings. Finish with a monologue just to take the next five minutes <clears throat> and know, go. <laughs> the problem with people who do bad things is they blame others for the bad things that they do. So we're going to let this one go because James can't help himself. Until next week, this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, speaking for the uh, exploding unicorn. I had to remember his name. He's not really a celebrity. James Breakwell saying, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're ever coming through my neighborhood, I'm not unicorn. <laughs> and remember, two wrongs can make a right.